Welcome to the On The Yard Podcast, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. I'm your host, Ashley Northington, and I'm here to connect you with the trends, news, and events happening across historically black and minority-serving colleges and universities. Tune in each week where we will give you a dose of HBCU leadership and culture, one episode at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome to the On The Yard podcast. Today, we're going to talk about alumni giving and what steps minority-serving institutions can take to spur radical giving among their alumni base. We're also going to talk a little bit about how Black colleges and other minority-serving institutions can best position themselves as the beneficiaries of major philanthropic gifts. Today, we have the distinct pleasure of speaking with two folks who know a little something about that. We're going to be talking with Sherry Wilson, who serves as the Executive Director of Advancement and Development at Oakwood University, and Emil D. Parker, who's a Director of Alumni Relations, also at Oakwood University. Welcome to On the Yard, Sherry and Emil. Thanks for having us. Thank Hello. You. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I like to start these conversations in a way that gives our listening audience a little bit more insight and context into the people that we're exploring these amazing topics with. Please do. You all take turns. I'll let you decide who goes first. But I'd love for you to share a little bit more about yourself, your role at Oakwood, and how you became interested in working with an HBCU. Go right ahead, Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll go first then. Thank you, Emil. Um, Thanks for having us. Let me tell you, I am working at my HBCU, my alma mater, and I am so proud and so grateful to be able to give back in this way. I started out initially in a a career of elementary education and special ed and used to play golf. I haven't played golf much lately, but was running golf tournaments as a volunteer for the alumni chapter in my hometown, Riverside, California. And the president asked my husband to come to Oakwood to to teach. And when he came to my golf tournament, he said, it seems like you'd be good in development. And I'm like, wow, okay, I can do that. So I joined the team when we moved here to Huntsville, Alabama, and have loved it ever since to be able to, you know, work with alumni and friends and be able to serve the mission of my alma mater is just a grateful, I'm just very grateful and very proud to be here. Wonderful. I love that. I love that. Emil, let's hear from you. Yes. Uh, my beginnings uh, and connected uh, to Oakwood, of course, started way back my freshman year in 79. It was a life-changing experience. Everything about the Oakwood experience, I hold precious. The friendships forever. I had been working with the Alumni Association for a number of years, and uh, I got an alum that said, Email, you can't just sit on the pews and not do anything. You got to get engaged with your alma mater. And so I started working with the association for a number of years. And then before I knew it, there was an opportunity at Oakwood. I always envied my classmates who had gone back to Oakwood and and served a couple of years in in different capacities. I said, I want to be that one day, one day. And so I got that opportunity 
And it has just, I pinch myself every day. I can't believe I'm back at Oakwood University. And so uh, love working with my alums, love being creative and getting them engaged. It has just been truly a blessing for me uh, just being on on these grounds once again. Oh gosh, I love that. I love that. I love your story. That's amazing. So let's let's jump into the topic. You know, um, over the past year, we've seen, you know, major corporations such as Google, Apple, and IBM, and super wealthy individuals like Mackenzie Scott, Reed Hastings, and Michael Bloomberg, among others, get on board to support HBCUs in the past year. We kind of didn't see that before. What do you think has shifted to cause such giving at this level? Well, for me, it's an obvious. It all begins, unfortunately, with the tragic death of George Floyd. I think that it just heightened and put everything on blast as it relates to inequality, social justice, just even white institutions, just looking at what are the inequalities and disparity of financial solvency versus just barely hanging on, endowment sizes, and that kind of thing. And then it opened the hearts and created urgency of giving to HBCU. A lot of our brothers and sisters examined how they were spending their money. And and they said, wow, we need to spend our money differently and pour into some of our HBCU and our institutions. And uh, I think that 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 has heightened the awareness with these private donors. One of the things that corporations want to look at, too, is how those alums are giving. And that's one of those first questions they ask. That is one thing that has happened to a lot of our institutions that are doing well in their participation among alums. So those, along with a lot of other things, and Sherry can speak anything on that as well. Oh, no, you did a fantastic job answering that question, Emil. The only thing I would add is, you know, again, you know, of course, only God can change the hearts of people. But there was a sense of urgency and people were feeling more philanthropic. You know, being in the pandemic and experiencing that and having to stay at home, people were able to slow down and think and read. And unfortunately, Mm. it was due to the pandemic and the unfortunate death of George Floyd and others. And people had time to think about these things and see how could they make a difference. And they couldn't really go anywhere as much. So online giving, you know, giving was something that I think helped to ease that pain that they may have been feeling or that problem they want to solve, you know, so, or the passions they may have in higher education and just being able to read more. I think also, if I may, I think that having our vice president as Howard. Ah, That's right. That's right. More communication about HBCUs, more exposure about HBCUs, and people want to know more about these schools, you know, Mm. that could create such leaders, develop such leaders in service. So I think I would just add that, Emil. Excellent. Yeah, you know, you said something that was was critical. You said that alumni giving is often a factor for how institutions can position themselves to receive these major gifts. Yes. I read a statistic that said, you know, perhaps alumni giving nationally was around 9 or 10 percent and alumni giving at HBCUs was was lower. Um, right. What role do alumni play 
in helping the institution position themselves to receive these large gifts? And how do we sort of you know this trajectory of alumni giving? Yeah. Right. I, I agree. I go, I get a chance to go to Atlanta every now and then and alums bump into me and they say, wow, I, I saw, I saw 10 HBCUs. They, they got all this private multi-million dollar. Why, why wasn't our institution on that list? And it's just a reveal. It's just a reveal that some of our institutions are doing very well in their alumni participation. And so they're on blast with all the corporations, the private donors and say, hey, I'm going to give to them because their alumni are giving. I think that a lot of our HBCUs kind of mirror its origin of our churches. Typically, our churches run about 25 to 30 percent that actually supports the church. So it is if we're in those percentages in our HBCUs, it's almost identical or less. I think that alums need to give more to to receive more. And if they continue to give more and and get these participation rates up, it's going to be impactful for them to get more money given to them by, by corporations and private donors. The network of alums and, and their relationships with stars, their relationships with major players and corporations is also another element that we need to be more intentional as alums. If you know someone that, that, that is in charge of the purse string, string of, of a corporation, then you need to connect that person to your alma mater and say, hey, listen, let's do an introduction. And before you know it, that may be a million dollars and, and, and empowering or enabling our alums to be some of those champions for, for our HBCUs. HBCUs are critical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sherry, would you add anything to that? Yeah. I mean, I just keep thinking in my mind, we got to show up, you know, and show up in different ways, you know, show up with our building our relationships with alumni, friends, corporations, the faith and local community, the national and global community, corporations, foundations, spotting opportunities for those relationships that we can cultivate and partner with, you know, create allies, develop allies, not just with alumni, but, you know, friends and people we don't even know, create champ you know develop champions to help tell our story we got to tell our story more Ah, (laughs) yes about that ashley you know (laughs) and just get the word out about our wonderful institutions and what the great work that we're doing you know so i think that's probably what i was thinking of just the communication of our story and positioning ourselves in ways that build relationships and allies and champions of our schools you know internally with alumni and externally. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many other ways, but you know. Let's talk about the ways in which schools can be creative in engaging alumni. Sherry, you had talked about, you know, running a golf tournament. What are some of the other strategies you think are appropriate for HBCUs to sort of engage with alums? You know, engage is a big word. That's a great question because engage is it. We have to engage with others and and allow opportunities for them to engage with us. You know, we have to make those engagements easy and diverse in lots of different ways, whether it's career mentoring, whether it's recruiting students, whether it's giving, whether it's volunteering, but being involved, creating opportunities 
for them to be involved and engaged with us, whether they're alumni or friends. And again, show up, get out into the community. We have to make it easy. We have online giving, but then there are people who need to mail it in for whatever reason. We have to have multiple ways of accepting funds. Some institutions have cash app or text to give. Um, and then we have to keep them informed, again, telling our story and allowing them to, to tell their story, listen to our donors and our alumni. And most definitely stewardship, not just cultivating those relationships, but once they become donors, make sure we're saying thank you. We appreciate them, again, engaging them, recognizing them, and just um, you know, becoming good friends and making it mutually beneficial, matching mission with donor wishes, you know, always stick to donor wishes and just finding their pain again and their passion and what problem they're trying to solve through our school, which is generally education, so that students can go out and serve and and solve some problem out there. So those are probably some of the ways. Having diverse campaigns on our campus, we have several campaigns, some donors, some alumni, even makeup campaigns. We had a donor come to us with something that was a part of our strategic plan, which is 40 more acres. We have a farm here that we revived our farm and we are growing organic food, you know, produce and and diversifying our funds with industry. So we also have a market that sells that food. And we also have a community health action center that disperses that food in six food deserts. So just diversifying your ways to give and create opportunities for people and ways to uh, to give to those things. One of the things, if I may actually add on to what, what Sherry just, just uh, hit out of the park there, is my formula, alumni relations, is simply this. Creating value plus engagement equals giving. We need to create the value in what Sherry, you know, indicated is all those value points. What is their, their passions? Finding that portal in which they are excited about and it's valuable to them. Like, for instance, we just launched what I call Beyond the Oaks Cafe. Uh, it's a forum where we support our alums in what they're doing, Beyond the Oaks. And, and our first one was we had a candidate that's running for public office. And so we needed to rally around him, support him in his effort to do something and he not feel alone that his alums are here. Many of us donated to his campaign, those kind of things. Granted, it's not directly giving to the institution, but it's a it's it's an opportunity that we catch them in the engagement net and then we can point them and say, hey, listen, you can give to your university, too. The other thing is we're going to have all our authors next month, those that are writing books, you know, those are kinds of creative ways that, or value points that create the engagement. When you have the engagement net big enough, there's a higher probability of them giving. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the secret formula that most institutions have used in years past. I don't know if HBCUs have used it as effective but we're being creative. One of the things that we did that really increased our um, participation rate this year is what we call, and I, I call the alumni homecoming in a box. It's, it's kind of like knowing the science of give to get. Mm -hmm. They actually gave and got a box that had apparel in it, 
a mask, you know, touchless items, a stress ball. You know, we got a lot of mental health out there. And all of that was in this alumni homecoming in a box. It was unbelievable. We raised close to 20000 in scholarships, you know, and they also gave the scholarships and they got a box. So what we found is there were alums that did the give to get and had never given before. Okay. So those creative ways are the science of alumni engagement. You know, and Emil, with that alumni in a box, it also helped raise our participation rate because uh, donors were so excited about it. And some were givers that had never given before, but they got excited about it and something we'll do every year to help us reach everyone. And, and I believe we need to also allow alumni or encourage alumni you can give at any level. You don't have to give millions. You don't have to give hundreds or thousands. Just give what you can and be a part of this movement. You know, be a part of, of the future of Oakland University and the preservation, you know. I love that. I love that. So I, I, this is this is great. I love that alumni, that homecoming in a box idea. I think that's genius. I'm into that. I love that idea. So tell me a little bit more about some of the campaigns that you all have activated. I know you've mentioned 40 more acres. Tell me a little bit about that and how alumni can participate and what that means for your campus. Well, just briefly, you know, I don't even know if I closed it on my last statement about it, but we did have a donor. It was in our strategic plan too. We have about eight acres right now that we grow produce. And we wanted to expand it. That's in our strategic plan. But a donor suggested, how about doing it now? How about having a campaign and get matching gifts? And and it's been working really well. So the campaign is called 40 More Acres because, of course, we already have the land. We already have some produce growing, but we wanted to build it up to 40 more. Um, and it's going really well. We have an advisory committee. That's another way of engaging alumni and donors and, and farmers that are on there. And we're raising money to, you know, for equipment, for personnel, for the produce, for our mobile market, which again is connected to the Community Health Action Center, but they get some of their produce from the Oakwood Farms and they go into the six food deserts with our mobile market. It was donated. It's It's got, you know, our logo and, and beautiful fruits and vegetables all over it. Kind of like when we were kids and, you know, the ice cream truck comes, and, you know, I mean, it looks, it looks like we're here, you know, so we partner, partnered with several community organizations, Huntsville Housing Authority and, and many others and Huntsville Hospital. So we're, we're trying to serve, our model is enter to learn, depart to serve, but we're trying to, you know, just serve while we're here as well. So the, the 40 more acres is going really well. We're writing proposals and, and we just got word that foundation is going to contribute to that. We've got alumni and matching gifts going. So that's another way of being creative, you've got to have a lot of diverse ways to raise money that speak to the donors. What uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that we launched a couple of years ago is called Ignite 10, and it's a Ignite 25, Ignite 50, Ignite 100. That's a recurring gift. One of the things that it does, it does the big three. It does student scholarships, the annual fund, and they can participate in giving to grow our endowment. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, Oakwood University's endowment is growing unbelievably. We are praising God for its growth. But if we tell the story of 
how that makes your university not only solvent, but it actually puts your university in a different tier. When you're perceived as an institution of solvency with, you know, you know, $25 million in an endowment and that kind of thing, and you're trying to grow your endowment up to $100 million by, by 2030, those goals matter in actually attracting other givers to the institution. And so another creative way that, that I think that has been a, a thing that we've done with, with our alums is just trying to make sure that they are clear that they can make a difference. Their, their, their you know, small amount or large amounts matter. And when we do a, a forever, I mean, a, a Ignite 10, we can always do a small amount and make impact if we all do it. So no matter what the size, it can make an impact. So Ignite 10 is, is, is one that we, we launched a couple of years ago, and uh, we're excited about its possibilities of growing all of those, those three components, scholarships, annual fund, and also help alums share in the growth of the endowment. You know, Emil, and one thing you said right there was allowing people to realize they can give at any level is really important because last year we raised over $2.4 million, and that included a $1 million gift and a $5 gift from a student. I mean, you can, give, <laughs> you know, and many other donors, you can give at any level. And we are in the middle of a comprehensive campaign, capital campaign which it's comprehensive so that everybody can be a part of it. And when we celebrate reaching that 40 million in 2025, that includes the endowment, as you said, we're trying to get to 100 million by 2030. Everybody celebrates, you know, and it helps to encourage people. You can give to anything, to any, at any level and be a part of this, you know, and then celebrate and know you've made an impact at any level, you know. This is wonderful. I think this is amazing. I'd like to ask you this question. What's one thing about Oakwood University that you wish more people knew? And I'll start with you, Emil. Okay, okay. Our graduates and alum are on par, medium salary comparisons with other institutions. We need to make sure people's perception is fixed and corrected in that space. Hello. One of the things, and this is, this is from recent data from UNCF, MC data, Equifax, where they compare government codes and they can look at all of our alums and basically in the last 15 years, what those salary medium salaries are, comparison to the industry. And we can only speak for Oakwood. We're above that medium in a lot of our majors. And that's a celebration of the good work happening at this HBCU. And we know that 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 other HBCUs are doing the, the same thing. And then that would that would be my one thing. And of course, well, that's my one thing. I'll I'll let Cherry have the other one thing. <laughs> I've got to stick to one. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I guess the one thing when you said it, Ashley, I just got warm and fuzzy. So you you decided some statistics, but <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess it would be the experience. If people could know about the experience, and I don't believe it's just at Oakland because of course we're affiliated with the UNCF. We've 
engaged with many different HBCUs. And it's just that affirmation, the confirmation, mm -hmm. you know, who you are as a person, you know, who you are as a Black person, the camaraderie, the networking, the friendships, the love that's here that gives you that confidence to go out into the world and do anything. You can Absolutely. do anything. We have HBCUs everywhere from the White House on down on or out, out. You know, you can start your own business. You can do mission work. You can you can do anything with that kind of love and support and, and confidence you gain from going to an HBCU, you know, and just participating and being engaged with it. You can find your spouses if you want ah. one, if you want one, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just friendships forever. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and not to mention our vice president. I mean, that celebration and then the, the creation of innovation that occurs in our HBCUs are, are second to none. And, you know, email one more thing and the history, the rich history of our alumni, of our partnerships, of our institutions, you know, oh, my goodness. Yeah, all, good. all of it is amazing. And so. What if, if if there was something that you wanted more of the world to know about HBCUs in general, what would you say that one thing would be? I'll start with you, Sheila. <laughs> with me or email? <laughs> you can go anywhere. Come to an HBCU. You can go anywhere. Do anything right here at an HBCU. Yeah. I think that's that's absolutely 100% correct. Emil, what will be your one thing? I think that the opportunity to, to actually cultivate your leadership skills, being able to you know, expand your wings, as it were, as a student on an HBCU campus, the probability of you learning those precious skills that you will need in corporate America. It's that the probability is higher that you want, you're going to utilize or learn those skills or have the opportunity to learn those skills in our HBCUs. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Excellent. Listen, thank you both so much for agreeing to share your insights with me, for telling us about the 40 More Acres campaign and telling us about how institutions can best position themselves to spur radical giving among their alumni base and position themselves to receive donations from these larger institutions. Thank you for agreeing to chat with me today. I appreciate that. I know our listening audience certainly appreciates it. And, and just thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ashley. And we just celebrate all the work that you're doing in this space. Thank you for this opportunity, for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. We appreciate you. you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of On the Yard, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. R.W. Jones is the nation's only strategic communications and issues management firm explicitly focused on higher education, serving more than 50 colleges and universities nationwide. Check back for next week's episode of On the Yard, where we'll give you another dose of HBCU leadership and culture.